So good afternoon, Q. How are you? Great. I'm just thrilled to have my voice back this week. It's lovely. And uh, all you who have gone through some uh, flu bugs this week, I hope you're feeling a lot better. It's not nice, is it? It's great to have our ladies back off their cruise. Do you know, they got off the train round the corner and came straight here. Isn't that... Oh, that's the sort of commitment I like. Call me old-fashioned, but I like it. Anyway, I hope you've had a great time. And the rest of you, I hope you've had a, a decent week. And, uh, you know, you've been experiencing the goodness of God. Do you believe there's a goodness? A goodness that's at work, that's following you, that's with you, that's guiding you. I like what Danny's just been singing about, the golden thread that's weaving through out, whether it's good or bad. Whether we rise or fall, it's there. Have you experienced any of the faithfulness of God this week? I know I have, and I hope you have too. In this community, uh, we don't like just uh, knowledge. We like to speak about things that you can actually apply to yourself on a daily basis. Uh, you know, you can be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. That was something that my dad used to say quite regularly. So heavenly minded, you, you know earthly good. We want this community to be of earthly good. Yeah? We want our world, and, and don't think cosmos ball blue thing flying in the sky. Your world, your circle in which you live and move and breathe, we want that world to be impacted by what you receive here. Uh, on a weekly basis. Now we've been um, covering over the last few weeks, we've talked about unity versus uniformity and we've talked about community, uh, with, about reaching out and having compassion for one another and last week we started something that we're going to revisit tonight and sort of take a bit further because there's more to be said with regards to uh, compassion and really figuring out what it is to live uh, under the relentless or in the relentless tenderness of Jesus. Now, whether you can grasp it or not, you will never have enough love for yourself and you will never have enough love for others unless you're receiving it from a source somewhere else. Because we all come to the end of ourselves. We all come to a point where we hit a wall and there's nothing left. But what we can tell you tonight is if the first part of call is a, a love, which I don't know whether it's on the screen, yeah, bathing a love independent of achievement, that is that love we're talking about because we're all very much bent on only understanding love when we think we deserve it or when we think our lives have panned out in such a way that we think, yes, I can love myself because, you know, clever me, look what I've done. But if we think we failed in any way, what happens? We not only can't love ourselves, we can't love others, but we don't believe that there is a, a love that's coming from somewhere else that can actually fill that void in our lives. So tonight, we are going to uh, be talking about that and um, we hope that we can bring you to a place. Do you know, if there's anything that, that this world needs, it is that love where I can actually, and I'm talking for me, and I'll just talk about me, where I can stand and say, Do you know, it's okay. It's okay. 
because there's so many get out of bed on the morning and it's just not okay. And we want it to be okay for the reason that there is this love that exists that's independent of achievement. And I know I'm going to talk a bit more of that uh, tonight. Now, last week it was interesting. Uh, if you remember the, the little clip of the, um, the fox, and I think it was a bear, um, and it was about empathy and um, the difference between empathy and sympathy. And was it the horse or a, a stag that kept putting his head down the hole and saying, well, at least, at least, at least. Well, of course, I had to go home and think, you know, that's me. I'm an at least person most of the time because I say, well, at least this and at least that. And I learned last week to actually find empathy rather than sympathy. So you might say, well, what do we learn? I'll tell you, I learned a big lesson last week, even by pointing the finger and saying, come on, Chris, find some empathy, not just sympathy. So I hope you realise that when we bring in these lessons, that it's not just pointed at you, but it's very much pointed at uh, the people that bring it as well. So we're going to continue tonight and we're going to talk about the uh, compassion of God. And just to recap on one thing to remember as we move forward, that a three-chord thread is not easily broken. If we can get those three chords together, the, the compassion of God, the compassion for myself, and the compassion for others, then we've got something that's incredibly strong. And so we want to start by a, a clip that I think you're going to really enjoy, but it's encouraging us all to look beyond what we see because most of the time the reason why we can't even find this love that is uh, independent of achievement is because we're not willing to look very far uh, much further than the end of our nose and so let's start that journey tonight and I hope you'll all enjoy it thank you very much all right I'd like to uh, come back to the videos in a in just a minute, but I want to throw up um, a verse from the Bible that I mentioned last week in our conversation about compassion that, um, again, I want to remind you of because it's, a, it's an important trigger point to where we need to get tonight. That verse is in a book called Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. It's chapter 4 and verse 12. And this is what it says, The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That is still um, a principle in rope making and in engineering that's very true. Fascinatingly, that, that when you bind three strands together, there is a strength with that that is just incredible. Now, of course, we make bigger ropes by binding three strands and then putting them with three of those bigger strands and those with three of those strands, and so we go on to build the strength. But I find an interesting lesson here in that so often life needs to be constituted of a three-fold string, a three-fold cord. And that what happens is we tend to miss out elements, and if we miss out an element, we lose the strength. And there's a lesson here, because one, one string is weak, though one may be overpowered. One is weak, two becomes defensive, two makes you defensive. And I know some of you that are weak and defensive... That suggests to me there's a cord missing. There's something that when it's added will turn your defensiveness and weakness into tremendous strength. It doesn't get rid of them. It just incorporates them into something greater. One is weak, two makes you defensive. 
but three makes you strong or unbreakable. How many of you want to be strong tonight? How many of you would like to be unbreakable? I'm glad none of you would because that is a real indicator of where your problem lies. See, the strength is in the weaving of things together. Now, if I might just digress very slightly, isn't it interesting that the Bible talks a lot about twos and threes, okay? It talks about twos when you have to make a decision, right? I won't go into all that. But it talks about threes when it's bringing strength. That's why the whole Christian doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, was clarified in that way because a threefold cord is not easily broken. Each of one is a strand in its own right. But when you have all three working in the way they're supposed to work, the strength. There's another thing that the Apostle Paul said. He said, he said, these three remain. This is all you need when you strip away everything that's just stuff. Only three things really matter. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, if you have one, you're weak. If you have two, you'll want to defend yourself. But if you have all three, you become strong. Okay? So, so we talked about compassion as a threefold cord. Compassion for others is one string. Compassion for self is another string, but God's compassion for me is the third string. Now, let me tell you something. I've always known and never doubted that God had compassion towards me. But freeing myself to live in that and all it implies has at times been incredibly difficult. I just thought some of you might like to know that. And it's all been because of a missing strand. Usually... For most of us, at the core of this, the missing strand is the God element. The understanding and an ability to embrace God's compassion for me. That's what Brendan Manning was talking about when he talked about the kind of love that God has for me in spite of all that other stuff. And even though he loves me when I'm not as I ought to be, because I might never be as I ought to be. It's interesting that we use phrases like, he's only got one string to his fiddle. What a boring fiddle with one string. The strength of the fiddle is in all the strings being there. We talk about, he's not firing on all cylinders. We talk about, he's a one-trick pony. We talk about, if you want to go all nautical, he's looking like he's only got three sheets to the wind. All of these are comments that show that we've understood psychologically and philosophically that unless there is a weaving together of things, there is a weakness. Now, let me also extend this thought a little further, just for one moment. One of the reasons we are very expansive in our attempts to understand, express and relate to the gospel that we call the good news of God in Jesus, and how that relates to spirituality and the spiritual community, is because we understand that there is strength in weaving things together. Very often spirituality has a weakness, and that weakness is it won't weave things together. It gets isolated in its own ideas... And sometimes it adds one doctrine and then it becomes defensive instead of strong. So we believe in the weaving of things together. So it's all about the lack of wholeness and the lack of strength when we don't have those three things. Now, I believe the God element is the one that is often ignored. Uh, And I would argue that you can never be fully complete without it. However, I also have compassion for many of you that like you think compassion for others is something you do for people and compassion for yourself, some of you struggle with that, but it's like something you're in control of 
But when we get to the God element, some of you struggle to understand what does that mean, God's compassion for me. How do I connect to that? Because that's the bit that's missing. Now, let me come back to these videos, which are two of my favourite. Patch Adams, the first video. And do you see where he stuck the little patch on the guy's cup? And when he said to the guy, what do you see? He said, you fixed my cup. What's missing for some of you is a you fixed my cup moment. You've not spotted the moment where, even though it seems a very simple thing, somebody somehow, which I would say is God in his loving power, came and put a bit of tape on your cup and stopped the leak, but you didn't appreciate what it was that was happening. If you appreciate that, then you would have a moment of felt compassion. And what we are missing most often is the moment of felt compassion. Compassion to you from God cannot be explained. I know that because I've been trying it for years. I can talk till I go blue in the face, till the cows come home, till we get to the end of time and explain to you beautifully about God's compassion, but it is a felt thing. One moment of felt compassion absolutely changes everything. It changes how you will then see the world. And I want you to have that moment of felt compassion. And I'm going to talk about how that moment might be lost, but maybe where we can find that moment a little later tonight. But what I love is that he said, if you focus on the problem, you can't see the solution. You will not experience that moment if you focus on the problem because you can't see the solution because all you can see is the problem. He says, never focus on the problem, but listen to what he says. Look at me. Now here's what I believe the good news of the gospel is. It's God in Jesus saying to you, don't focus on the problem because while you focus on the problem in your life, you can't see the solution. Never focus on the problem, look at me. And there needs to be a re-establishing in our spirituality of this endeavour to look at God, to look at him, to look for him, because I guarantee you, he is there, but we're often so focused on the problem that we don't actually see what's behind the problem. Look beyond the fingers. You fix my cup. I want you to have that moment tonight. You fix my cup. Just the last thing, Brennan Manning. I love what Brennan says there. I find it very moving. I think it's an incredible uh, expression and story and testimony of of what it's all about and and God's feelings towards you and his compassion. Um, This is my summary of, of, of Brennan. You should be looking to shape your life according to the knowledge that God loves you. That's how you look to shape your life. Because compassion is what helps us to bathe in the love independence of achievement. Right, it was interesting the last few weeks, um, or maybe the last few months, Chris and I have sat down here. And uh, under this second step here, there are LED lights. And because uh, we sit here on the front, we've sat staring at this increasing pile of dust and debris and filth that has been accumulating under there. Now, please don't be staggered because it's an interesting subject is debris and dust because um, you can't see it fully in the lights, but if we were to turn the lights white, as you've often seen in a spotlight beam, 
at the theatre, you'll notice all those particles floating around, which you think are just bits of dust, when actually the great majority of those bits that are floating around are people's skin, which you are breathing in and devouring and uh, enjoying a moment of cannibalism without realising it. But there's an interesting thing there which shows you actually how much debris we produce in life. And how that debris goes around and how we eat that debris and devour that debris and it affects our lives. And some of that was under here. So I guess because we sat at the front, some of it was, used to be me and Chris. And maybe Georgia and Amy. What was fascinating is uh, I went and got a, got a feather duster and um, cleaned it all out on Wednesday. Uh, what was interesting when I cleaned it out is, uh, is a 1p coin was under there and flipped out. Now, I didn't realise at the time, thicko, but we spent most of the time Tuesday talking about a story in the Bible that is about a lost coin that was lost in the dust and debris of a house. Well, I found one here in this house, down there. Now, I've got something to say about that in just a moment, because in Luke chapter 15 in the New Testament, there is a trilogy, there's a threefold chord. It's a story of three lost things. Now, I would debate with you what we mean by lost and what we mean by sinner in that subject, but it talks about a lost sheep, it talks about a lost coin, and it talks about lost sons, okay? What's interesting is that this trilogy seems to suggest, if you get it from the right angle, that God is somehow incomplete without us. Now, we haven't got time to dwell on that, but I want you to think about that for a moment. The suggestion is that God is incomplete without us. Now, I find that fascinating, uh, uh, but, but you see, I find also interesting because I love words and I love stories and I love imagination. And, uh, of course, what we came up with was that that middle story, which is about a coin that was lost which seems to suggest to some degree that this silver coin was part of what used to be the wedding band dowry uh, that a bride would keep and wear that was a signify, uh, a signify, signified that she was in a relationship, that she belonged, that she had become who she was supposed to become. So the story of a lost coin was not in the biblical context, just, you know, I pulled a 5p out of my pocket and I lost it somewhere. It actually relates to something that they, they in culturally, would understand immediately. Now, now, what I found interesting was the play on these words, that this woman finished up looking for change. Isn't it funny how we talk about loose change? That, that, that we don't somehow give value to something that might actually be very important. Maybe in its own right, it doesn't stand fully like that. But when it becomes part of something, it becomes extremely important. I also found it interesting that the paper stuff we call notes. So that's notable, but the others just change. However, what I would say is that the more of us tonight who are looking for change than are looking to be notable. Many of you don't care where you stand in the bigger scheme of things in the world, but by heck, you are looking for change because you don't want to be where you are. This story is about a lady looking for change. It's also interesting that this coin was one of ten. 
Now, now get this, I find this fascinating, which means that you've got nine-tenths of all that you need. Right now, you have got nine-tenths of all you will ever need. If you want to use the story of the lost sheep, right now, now you've got 99% of all that you will ever need. Can you understand that? The issue is the coin is not lost in a field. The coin is not lost in the city. The coin is not lost in the supermarket. The coin is not lost at work. The coin is lost in the woman's house. So even the thing that's lost is not somewhere else. It's in the same house that the other nine coins are. Where the other nine tenths that are in places, it's lost somewhere around there. You see, within you, all that you need is right now within you. And it is the wonder that comes that helps us to find that one thing that instead of us being nine tenths altogether, but understand this, for that woman, nine tenths together meant she was not together. It meant she was not fulfilled. It meant she couldn't be who she was called to be, so that one-tenth was absolutely important. And so it says that she took a candle and she went looking. Now, here's the interesting thing. You've got to introduce some light because it's very evident that with the nine-tenths of the coins in place, the one coin that was lost was lost in a place of darkness. Now, I get that because when we have something missing and we are incomplete in our lives, it's not just obvious to us, is it? We don't just think, oh, there it is. Somehow it's lost in the darkness, but the plot thickens because it was not only lost in the darkness, but it says she had to sweep the whole house with the light until she found it. In other words, that which was missing had been lost in the dust and the debris of her past. See, dust and debris is not something you go to the shop and buy to decorate your home with. Now, some of your homes, I appreciate, dust has become a decoration. Look at my dust, it's very smooth and very level. The debris of life, the skin of everybody who ever visited my home is here. I have got rid of none. All my friends still exist in their complete, full being. But you see, dust and debris is what's left behind from our past. Now here's the problem. All of us have dust and debris in our lives and that's what was left behind by the past experience. That's what Jesus is talking about in this story. But he's saying somewhere in the dust and debris of those past experiences, remember Patch Adams, don't look at the problem. While ever you look at the problem, you can't see the solution. You've got to look past the problem in the dust and debris, which is our lives, lays the very thing that will complete us, that God has put within us, that he wants to cause to emerge, to go back into the place that it is supposed to be. But listen, it said she, not he, not some outside force, she, and it could be he if it was a man's house. I don't like the implications that only women clean. You should see me on a weekend mopping and hoovering. Love it. It's great. I get more thoughts doing that. He, she, it was he or she sweeping the house, being willing to figure what's the dust and debris and I need to sweep this away. Not looking at the problem, looking past the problem. What is the other side of all this? But in order to do that, she needed the light. Now, I find it fascinating. Jesus said, I am the light. 
the true light that lights every man. Right? Not just people who came into church one day and said, Jesus, please come into my heart, whatever was. The light who lights every man who comes into the world. The problem is, when that light is allowed to diminish or go out, or we cover it, or don't allow it to be what it is, we lose the ability to see in our house where the coin might be among the dust and debris of our past experience. Therefore, we tend to leave the dust alone, but we still want the coin, but the coin's in the dust. We've got to be willing to face the dust and look past it with the light that he brings in our lives that says that he fulfills a role that is beyond our control, but involved in our absolute life. So as I said to you at the beginning, one of the issues is that we have the missing element of doing everything but not allowing God to be God, not allowing Jesus to be Jesus, not allowing the Holy Spirit, this Trinity, this threefold call, to do what they do. Now, here comes the problem for preachers. I can't explain you into that reality. I would love to do it, and sometimes I try too hard to do it, but realise I can't explain you into that reality. It needs a couple of things. And what it actually needs for for you to come into that reality, the couple of things that I believe we need are number one, a decision. A decision. You have to make a decision. In these three stories, they all conclude well because somebody made a decision. And sometimes our story doesn't conclude well because... We go out of here or we go out of our moment where we have experienced tenderness, where somebody put a patch on our cup without making a decision. And because we don't make the decision, nothing changes. She decided to sweep the house with the light, to find a coin, to put it back in place. And she realized all the time I was nine-tenths there. But the one-tenth came because of the light that allowed her in her place to find the thing that was missing, a decision. The other thing that's needed is something called surrender. Surrender is when you say, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I give in. I found in my long life experience of the divine, of God the Father, Surrender is a very important issue because it says, I recognize some things I can't do, but I surrender to you and what you can do. But I do that by a conscious decision that says, I invite you to be part of this process. I invite your light into my life. And as I invite that in, it will help me to see what I couldn't see, to find what I couldn't find, and to fix what I couldn't fix. Now, I've moved a long way in, in, in my understanding of the gospel and the magic aspects of it, but there are portions of it that are really important, and those two portions are still important, a decision. I was raised with songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now I might contextualize those a little bit different now, but the decision was important. And it's often the decision 
that exposes to us the moment of compassion. That felt compassion. The decision that opens the felt compassion. I was always also raised singing, she lost it, she lost it, that little piece of silver. Where was it, where was it, wherever could it be? But then she found it. And it's interesting because it says there was rejoicing in the angels of heaven. This is the descriptive poetic language. Rejoicing in the angels of heaven because she had found the coin that was lost. And it talks about repent therefore. So you repent. Now, the word repent in the Greek is the word metanoia. Metanoia does not mean, oh, I'm so so useless, I'm terrible, I'm horrible. Metanoia means a change of mind. You need to get metanoia tonight. A touch of metanoia will do you good. A touch of metanoia says, I decide that though I am nine-tenths there, that the light that is being sent to me I receive because among the dust and debris of my life I am finding the coin that was lost because I'm looking for change and if I'm looking for change I'm looking for the coin because the change comes because of the coin because when the coin is in place the changes happen but you've got to metanoia first are you willing to metanoia? are you willing to change your mind where you say it's time to get the brush out among that dust and debris and say you don't belong in this house because the coin I'm looking for is among you and I'm going to find it because God's helping me to find it and when that coin is in place I will be complete, I will be whole And the whole thing of that thing was, I will be at one with my world. The whole thing of the gospel is you become at one with the Father and one with all things because of that. So I want to just pray just for a moment. Just bow your heads just for a second. Not going to press this, but but sometimes, sometimes a physical response helps in a spiritual reality. So, so on every head by every eye closed at the moment, don't often do this, but I'm going to do it tonight. If you tonight are saying, I am going to make a decision to surrender to this process and to put the God compassion part in there so that I can abase, bathe in a love that is not based on achievement. I am making a decision that I am finding the coin. I just want you right now, just slip your hand up right where you are. I want you. You're making a decision. You're saying, I am making a decision and I am surrendering. Thank you. It's fine. You take your hands down again. There's nothing magic about what you did, but there is something magic about surrendering to the divine. There's something magic about deciding for the divine. There's something that we unleash and that becomes free in us. And I want to pray now that you will experience that and find that so you will know the felt compassion because it's out of the felt compassion that you see beyond the problem. And remember what we said on the patch thing. Don't look at the fingers. Look at me. I believe that's what God says to you. What Jesus says to you. 
Don't look at the problem, look at me. If you will do that, you will see the reality, you will see the truth, and you will have full restoration. Father, tonight I pray for every heart, every life that's represented here, especially those who have indicated uh, 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 that they are making a decision and that they are surrendering to this process of the link that comes in, which is you yourself, which is a mystery that I can't explain, but I pray that this very day and this very week there will be a profound sense of felt compassion and out of that the finding of what was lost, the looking for change, that the change is found and has come and that there will be completeness and a great sense of oneness in Jesus' name. You beat me to it there, Georgia. All right, we love you, we bless you. Enjoy the rest of your evening.